Ahoy and welcome to the Mojo Podcast, part of Mike's Open Journal. Here we're going to be talking about mental health and that includes all things illness, wellness, stigma and support and most importantly some of your very own personal stories. We're going to be covering projects, campaigns, starting conversations and mentioning some of those tools that have supported your well-being. I want to say thanks for being part of the podcast, whether that's as a guest, as a listener, hopefully as a subscriber. I'm Mike, and while I'm being mindfully mindless, hopefully myself and my amazing guests will be able to show you that you're not alone out there. Thank you for being part of the Mojo Podcast. These are real people, they do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves, I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real and it's hard, it's exhausting. I don't think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to like it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it. Hello and welcome to the Mojo Podcast and to episode 159. I hope you're having a great week out there, whatever you're doing. Thank you for continuing to download and hopefully subscribe to the podcast. I'm I'm delighted to to welcome you to this episode uh, where we're going to have a returning guest. So Laura is joining us all the way from Wales via Skype um, for this episode. And we're going to have a little bit of a chat about recovery and story sharing. Uh, It was... It was really interesting to see some of Laura's experience and, and hear some of that uh, a few months ago uh, while she was going through a, a particular period of her recovery. So having an opportunity for her to come and join us on the podcast and talk a little bit about uh, what that was like and where she is now uh, is a really, really interesting thing. I think we also get a little bit into the the idea of story sharing, um, particularly around recovery and what some of that can involve. But it's ace to, to once again have someone come on and share their experience. And I think this is a really nice time to mention that while we do have a, well, we do have episodes, like these are the bad ones. While we do have episodes where I sit down and have a conversation with you guys, and it, it, I really enjoy some of those kind of shorter episodes, we sit down and have a chat. Um, I guess the bulk, the, the main focus of, of many of the episodes is to have guests that come on and to share their experience with... Uh, with mental health whether that's symptoms illnesses recovery well-being uh, really I think helps to fill out that idea of we, we encourage people to go away and have more conversations about mental health but here's an actual example here's an actual conversation um, so I really enjoyed that side and I think it hopefully shows that anyone can go away and, and have these conversations and, and, and ask 
how people are and hear about their experience and maybe learn and be educated by that i know i have been by some of the conversations that we've had on on this podcast in the past so it's been a huge part of a number of the episodes to have guests on so a huge thank you to all of those guests but also uh, an open invitation to any of you that might be interested in coming on and sharing your own experience whether you've been on the podcast in the past or not um, it would be great to to have you on and to have you uh, provide a bit of insight into your own experience as well so this episode we're gonna drop you into it um really quickly there's been a couple of other episodes that have popped up recently that have been slightly different so this is a bit more of a traditional uh, mojo podcast episode where we're going to have that kind of discussion with type thing going on so i hope you enjoy it um and as always if you want to find out more about the podcast you can jump on over to mikesopenjournal.com but for now i'm going to drop you in to my conversation with laura from about a week ago now so i hope you enjoy it and i'll see you soon welcome back to the podcast laura um it's been i feel like i should have gone back and had a look to see when the last time was um but it's been a long time however long it has been um since we spoke last time so kind of how have you been more recently what's been going on in the last sort of week or couple of days and we'll find out about the rest in a moment oh firstly thank you so much for having me back i think it's been around a good two years it's been a long time. I think I've... it's it has been such a long time. I mean, I was trying to look on Twitter not so long ago to see how long it was like it had been, but oh, I wasn't successful in finding it. No, because I think oh, it's so annoying. I had uh, Danny came back on a few months ago, and I think he came back just after it had been two years. So I've got a couple of people I think that are oh, somewhere. I found it. It has. It's been two years. Oh, there you go. It's a long time. Jeez. Such a lot's gone so fast. That's crazy. It just you don't notice. You don't No, you don't. I mean we organized today in August. And it just feels like it's gone so quick. Like I remember when we organized this date (laughs) and I was like, oh, plenty of time and then I had your message this morning yeah. and I knew it was on the 22nd of this month but I didn't realize we were it's on like, the 22nd already and I was just like what the hell is happening I was like I can't remember if I like like overtly said to you but in my mind it's very much like especially when we book it in so far ahead I was like I need I'll send you a message a week before and just checking everything's okay and this morning I woke up and I was like ah, crap it's today <laughs> <laughs> typical no I mean I had it written down in a diary like on my calendar and everything in my phone so I knew it was on the 22nd I just did not know the 22nd has come so quickly um so yeah scary how has how has your last week or so been last week or so it has been yeah it's been okay thank you I mean I'm still like I'm still in the like the section the well, not the section I'm in the part now like I've come off my antidepressant mm-hmm. so my body's still trying to find its own natural balance with the chemicals and everything so it's yeah no it's been a lot better than the past few weeks but I still get my little blips but mm. it's nothing at all that I can't handle that's really good because I think when we when we originally sort of started talking about today um it was kind of off of the back of a period of time of you talking about kind of that recovery and 
um, coming off of antidepressants and, and the, the journey, I guess, that you're experiencing. Um, so it's really yeah. cool to hear there's kind of that more of a balance, more of a positive side now. Um, but I think that was that was part of what we were going to talk about is kind of just, I guess, a little bit of recovery in general, but also hear a little bit from yourself. And I suppose, given that it has been such a long time, um, maybe just to hear a little bit of kind of what's gone on. I know it's a long period to cover. But no, it's briefly fine. Kind of what's gone on um, since the last time we spoke and how have you got to um, that recovery journey that is obviously still going on, but that's more recent? Well, yeah, so nothing had really changed up until around late last year. Um, I'd noticed that I'd become a lot more stable in my mental health, my mental well-being. And obviously, I was still getting my bad days, but at the end of the day, I'm only human. And it's natural for anyone, even if they don't suffer from any type of mental health illness, to have emotions and have good days and bad days. So it was around the end of last year, I started pondering, like with myself, I kept it to myself a bit, of whether I was ready to come off my antidepressants or, eat, well, start consider, like, coming off one of them, because I was actually on two. So I was just, I don't know, I just, it was a lot to think about, because I'd been on them for around a good eight years. Mm. Yeah, so it was a long time, and I was on two of them. So it was a big thing for me because I've spent, if not all, well, all of my adult life on them. So it was as if I didn't know life without them. And it was really scary to think about. But the more I thought about it and the more well stable I was and the more better days I was having compared to bad days, I just thought I won't know if I don't try. So I think it was around February this year. I went to my GP, uh, who's absolutely amazing, so supportive. And I told her that I was ready to come off one of my antidepressants. Now, I was on pregabalin and venlafloxine. And within their own right, they're both quite nasty because pregabalin is known to be addictive for some people. Mm. And venlafloxine is apparently, so I've been told, one of the hardest antidepressants to try and come off. So I'm really lucky that I knew that I didn't have any addictive tendencies. So I thought I'd try and get pregabalin out of the way. Um, Because it's a controlled drug, um, I had to come off it very slowly. Um, (laughs) My boyfriend just needs them. Bless you. (laughs) Oh, bless Oh. Bless him. <laughs> so yeah, I had to come off really slowly, and my doctor decided to pull me off pregabalin as if she was withdrawing someone from morphine. Okay. Because it's a classified drug, so that took. Oh, I think that took around maybe two months. I think to come off, and then that wasn't as bad. The withdrawal effects. You know, what is expected, my mental health, I wasn't say it deteriorated, but I noticed the difference. Mm. But I'm really lucky that I'm quite self-aware. So I knew the difference between my mental health deteriorating and just side effects of coming off the tablets, really. 
So I wasn't really worried about it. And then I came off gabbling quite easily and gave myself a couple of weeks break. And I was feeling so positive about it. I was like, now or never, <laughs> went back to the GP. And I was like, I'm ready to come off in the vaccine. And she was like, oh, Laura. And I was like, no, I'm ready. And she's like, give yourself a few months break. She's like, let yourself rest. Like, because it's obviously, it's a lot for your body to go through because all the chemicals are changing and everything. And for them to find their own balance, it's not something that happens overnight. But because I then I felt like I did so well with the, bro- the progabling, I just thought, no, I'm ready. I just knew I had this gut feeling and I just knew that I could like at least attempt to take on the withdrawing from the venoflaxine. Hmm. And I I wouldn't have put myself through it or attempted it if I didn't feel that it was right by myself. Because obviously I have a lot more respect for my mind and my body than I did a few years ago. But I just, I had that gut feeling. And when you know, you know, if you get me. <laughs> so I just had that feeling and I was like, no, please. And I was like, trust me. I was like, I feel like I'm ready for this. And because we kept in touch a lot during my like withdrawal from Pregablin, hmm. she was like, I'm going to trust you with this one. And she was like, but we're going to do this slowly and we're not going to rush it and we're going to see how it goes and she was like we need to stay in touch she was like you need to tell people around you what's happening and she was like this isn't going to be easy she was like you flew from the withdrawal from Pregablin she was like you've done so well with that she was like I just do not think this venlafloxine is going to be as easy as that and I was like no I'm I'm okay with that I'm ready I'll give it a go and, I, and I, I've always said to myself, if I came to the point that I felt like I couldn't go anymore, like I couldn't hack the withdrawals or I just needed a break, that I would either stay on the dose that I had lowered to mm. or go back up and just give myself a break and then start again in a mm. few months. Because obviously, I have, so, like I said, I have so much more respect for my mind and my body now. I just I didn't want to put it through any unnecessary stress or pain or anything like that. Hmm. So yeah, so started withdrawing from the venlafaxine, and it was hell. <laughs> it was absolutely awful, um, mentally and physically, and. I kept a vlog of it on Twitter and because obviously I'm quite active on Twitter, not as active as I used to be, but I still like to talk everything mental health. Mm. And I thought maybe talking about coming off antidepressants and everything, it was something new, it was something positive and maybe something a little bit different. So I vlogged it on Twitter. I don't think I did like a weekly update in the beginning or like three, every three days I did an update. And then maybe it went to like weekly or something. And oh God. And there was videos. And sometimes I would be fine. I'd be looking at the camera and there would be no problem. And I think it might have been the first week. I was like, I don't know what everyone was talking about. This is absolutely <laughs> fine. I'm going to boss this one like I did bossing coming off the Brigand lane. I'm going to smash it. 
and then I think it came to week two and I'd done a video and I was just lying in the dark room. I couldn't look at any light. My body was hurting, like physically, like the pain I was in was unreal. And then mentally, I was like, became so paranoid. Hmm. And it was, it was such a struggle. So I, I just stuck at it really. And again, I knew the difference between the withdrawal symptoms and a decrease in my mental health well-being. So I knew I could carry on. So I did. And then after two weeks, or maybe two and a half weeks, I went down on another dose. I went down by 25 milligrams. So we were going down in quarters. And, oh, it was just, it got even worse. And I don't even know how that happened, but it just got worse. And I was not expecting it to be as challenging as it was. I mean, I had people on Twitter and they were messaging me and tweeting me public and they'd be saying, oh, I tried to come off in the flaxine once. I couldn't do it. Or I tried to come off in the flaxine once and I had to, the doctor had to put me on another antidepressant to counteract the withdrawal effects because they were so bad. Hmm. And I was like, I feel you. I feel you. But I'm quite stubborn. So... You know, everyone is each their own, and I completely respect everyone is different, and everyone has to take this well, has to take the course of coming off antidepressants as an individual journey. So, I thought for myself personally that going on another antidepressant to counteract the withdrawal symptoms wouldn't have done me much good in the long run. Hmm. Looking back now, I'm not too sure if I should have. I'm not going to lie. But I got through it without doing it, which I am glad with. Um, but it did take a lot of work. And then I think five weeks in, I had I, I stopped and I took a break because it was just getting too much. Mm. So I stayed on the same dose around a good three weeks maybe three and a half weeks let myself recoup a bit let my body heal let my mind become a little bit more peaceful than what it had been and then I went back to the doctor and I said I'm ready the doctor was really good because when I wanted to come down a dose I had to go and see her mm-hmm. to make so she could at least have a chat with me and everything bit of a check-in yeah 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 definitely so I was there and I told her and she respected me for listening to my body listening to my mind and sticking on the dose she said I made the right choice and then she trusted me to know the time was right for me to carry on withdrawing off it and so I did and I think it must have been around four weeks after that that well let me see yeah around four weeks after that doctor's appointment I had actually come off the venlafaxine completely and then I was expecting things to start to go back to normal I I didn't realize oh well I think it was probably a bit naive of me but I did not realize how long it would take for my body to readjust Mm. if that makes sense yeah yeah 
and then I spoke to my doctor, done some research, and everything in my doctor said that it can take roughly six to eight weeks for your body to find its own natural balance for the chemicals and everything to find their own balance and just work themselves out. And I honestly don't, I can't tell you what was harder or what has been harder. The coming off of the venoflaxine withdrawings like week by week or however I done it or the six to eight weeks that it's taken my body to find the balance if that makes sense um yeah it was quite tough and because I had the psychological aspect of it as well of not being on any antidepressants so I had my moods fluctuating I had all the sorts of emotions I mean I could wake up fine within 10 minutes I could be crying within another 10 minutes I could be paranoid as anything and then I could be angry and it was just, I had this n- little niggling feeling and I was doubting myself whether it was my mental health declining or the withdrawal effects. And I just had to keep seeking reassurance mm. that this was normal and that it was okay. And I did have to consider a few times whether I'd made the right choice of coming off of the antidepressants completely and... Yeah, which wasn't easy because I'd worked so hard. But then I had to put myself first for the change, which, as I mean, as anyone really who suffers from mental health illness knows that self-love is not an easy thing to do and putting yourself first is not a natural thing. It's, <laughs> I, mean, it's... It's re- I think it's a really difficult thing to do. And then it's even more difficult for people that are affected by those type of symptoms and those illnesses because it just it's very much against the nature that we kind of put in place isn't it and I also think it's a very British thing as well Uh, the idea of kind of self-care and looking after yourself is not really something that I don't think hugely been promoted in the past Um, no exactly it's, it's against our nature to do that I think yeah no completely so uh, yeah that was super super tough but I'm really lucky I mean my mum and dad have been with me from the beginning with this journey they knew exactly what was going on they they're, they're quite experienced with it hmm. um they know the ins and outs of being mentally ill how I'm affected how medication in the past has affected me um I explained to them what would be happening and they knew and they were just so patient with me. I mean, I would have judged. <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't have judged. But I was judging myself for days when I couldn't get out of bed, even though I was in a crippling amount of pain. Hmm. And I like, it's like you see on a film, like if you see a heroin addict withdrawing from drugs, like in a jail cell, and they're shaking, and they're sweating, and they're screaming in pain. I wasn't far off that at times. It was so painful, but yeah, I was still judging myself because there was days and I just spent all day in bed in a dark room and all my mum and dad did was really, they were like just coming in and checking on me, um, do I need food? They they kept bringing me bottles of water to making sure that I was being, like I was staying hydrated mm. and they were amazing and my boyfriend as well, I've got to give him so much credit. Um, 
Not that he would like this. Because <laughs> <laughs> he hates anything positive that I say about him. He just, I don't know what it is. He won't even look at me now whilst I'm saying <laughs> it. Because he just doesn't believe it. But yeah, he was so supportive as well. And there's a lot of times where I've been in such a bad place and he's had to pull me out of it, kicking and screaming. And yeah, so I have no idea how he's coped with me. I don't think at times he has, maybe. And I do not blame him at all for that because I haven't coped with myself. I don't know how anyone has coped with me. (laughs) I think that was a big part I I kind of recall from when we spoke last time was that um, uh, it sounded like because, or from what I remember, that because you've um, experienced these symptoms and this illness over a long period of time, you've actually um, built up that support network and they've kind of been through some of this experience with you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Now, or in the last couple of years, you have got a really strong support network of a couple of people and they're very educated on what your experience is like and you're very uh you're very educated and articulate about talking about what your experience is and I think that's that positive side of we talk about encouraging people to find people to talk and share your experience with and this is kind of I guess the reward from doing that is that you in that difficult situation have people around you that do have a greater understanding and a greater compassion because you've been able to have that conversation over a period of time? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm 24 now, but when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, I was 16. So I've had a very long time to have to learn about this, learn Mm. about myself. And my mum and dad from the beginning, I mean, they didn't always know what to do. They didn't always know what to say, but they tried their very best. And I see that now. And it was their support is second to none. And over time, and it's just absolutely been amazing. And like I said, my boyfriend, I mean, we got together. And not long after we got together, I I had quite a nasty relapse. Mm. And I like had not long started seeing like the psychiatrist and the community mental health team and everything. And it was quite a nasty time. So he's been there with me through that. And he saw me quite early on going through the really ugly side of mental health illnesses really he saw Mm. the really nasty effects that depression and anxiety had on me so he's like he's like he knows me better than I know myself I think I'm sure he'd agree with me if he would look at me (laughs) (laughs) I think (laughs) (laughs) one of the one of the things you mentioned is really interesting is that that side of, of sharing your story and your experience. And I think yeah. um, that's really interesting because we are seeing, I think, more people uh, be willing to share their experience. And I know we, yeah. we sort of on and off discussed this, um, I think, last month around um, the importance of having people at different stages of recovery talking about their experience. And it's great to have people talk about um what they have recovered from or what they've had experience of or what their lived experience is but so often it is someone talking about years ago I went through this and the importance of having some people that are maybe 
still kind of in that moment gives a, a bit more of a realistic view of how difficult that can be for people no 100% I mean like just before I, like I stopped talking about Jamie I wanted to also say like people on Twitter have been absolutely amazing like I posted tweets I posted videos of myself at crying like with the vlog because I just wanted to be as open and honest about this as I had been in my darkest days in my blogs like in the very beginning when I started blogging they were like they weren't like I mean they weren't dark but they weren't positive because I was fresh to blogging and it was a new release so I had to let Mm. all the bad out before I let the good out and I just I did question in the beginning whether I should actually be open about this on Twitter because I didn't want people to feel like, oh, maybe I was rubbing it in. But then I had to take a step back and remember, I was 16 when I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety, and I'm 24 now. So it's been a good eight years Mm. that I've had to go through this. And I just thought it might be a little positive message. I mean, people are very new in the beginning. Like you said, they're halfway through. Mm. And like I'm, I wouldn't say I'm at the very end of my journey, but I never saw myself being in in this position. I mean, there were days when I felt like I shouldn't be here. There were days that I tried to act on those thoughts, and never, ever, ever did I think that I would ever come off with my antidepressants. Never mind on my own accord and be like, I'm ready for this Mm. and I'm gonna do it if that makes sense yeah 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 yeah. so I just felt like I owed it to the people that have like followed me and like I still get people messaging me now asking me and it's been a good two months it's been around eight eight weeks two months since I've been off of antidepressants completely and I still get people messaging me asking how I am I get people messaging me saying listen I remember seeing a video of you talking about coming off your antidepressants I'm wondering if you could help me and the messages I'm still receiving to this day. I mean, I even had some earlier. And it's just huge that I've... People used to say that I helped them when I used to talk about the negative aspects of suffering from depression and anxiety because they felt like they had someone to relate to. But now that people are telling me that they can relate to me on this more positive note mm. because they feel like they're they might be ready themselves to discuss with their doctor or their mental health team to maybe start coming off the antidepressants because they realise like it might be the right time for them. Or the fact that they're even considering it. I mean, it took me months of thinking and arguing with myself, was I ready? Is this the right thing for me? Before I actually acted on it. So the fact that, that they're even in that position now is amazing. And it's just helped me so much. And I know that might sound a bit selfish, but it's helped me so much. The fact that people have been coming to me throughout all of this still and saying that it's helped them because that is on. it's been a form of therapy for me as well. Like a form of therapy that I couldn't get anywhere else, mm. if that makes sense. It's creating that wider community and that wider network, isn't it? I think of knowing that you're you have that support that people are kind of in your corner if it's passively but they're there but also that by sharing your experience I think um, most of the people I think are fairly similar in this uh, when you start blogging or vlogging around mental health it's often a coping strategy but we hope that it helps someone else 
Um, and I think having that feedback from one, two, however many people um, actually reinforces it is it is important and it is valuable for people to share their experiences. One hundred percent. And that it's it's so important because it is so difficult. The first couple of times, it's always difficult, but the first couple of times, it's so hard to make that decision to, to share that part of your of your life and your, your experience and often your struggles. Um, yeah. And it, it is important, like you say, whether you're a younger person or not, that first time you talk about it often comes from we have no education around it, we've got no experience, we haven't had those... I guess those discussions before we've not used certain words or certain terminologies before and we're just we're not even trying to learn how to speak about it we just are struggling to get it out so I think it is really important to go yeah do you know what maybe maybe I would word it differently now maybe I would talk about it in a different way Uh, but it was the most important thing was that you shared it at the time Um, yeah 100% I mean what I'm looking back like I was reading through some of my old blogs the other day and would I word some stuff differently? Yes. If I had the opportunity to go back and change it, would I? No. Mm, mm. Because I think that just shows how far I've come on in the journey with my exactly. understanding and the education of it and just mm. the self-awareness on the whole. Mm. I mean, I was writing in quite during quite a dark time. And now, and like comparing my first blog to one of my most recent blogs that I'd done for world mental health day just about coming off the antidepressants there's just the language i use the difference in my writing it's just some of the words i use i mean there is such a big difference and it was a bit of a shock but i wouldn't change anything because it just shows the journey and i'm grateful that i can see that in my own writing and in myself it's another way to show the journey my hard work yeah 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 i mean it has, I mean, I don't like bigging myself up. I don't like giving my, myself praise. But this is something that I've worked so hard for. I mean, just staying alive at times, mm. you know, mm. yeah. has been the, one of the biggest challenges. So the fact that I've got this far is just, I, I mean, it's, there's just, I'm in awe of it sometimes, not in awe of myself, just in awe of the whole journey, of the whole process, of, mm. of all of it. Like, I never saw myself being here. And it's because of other people as well. Like, yeah, I've had an amazing support network, as I've said, but it's seeing other people talk about their journey, seeing other people, like, feeling like they're not worthy of being here and then trying to act on those thoughts and, and thankfully not being successful and then showing their journey because I've read other people's journeys when I was in a bad place and I thought I'm never going to be where they are now and I remember thinking that will never be me mm. but I still had something to work towards which was huge so that gave me hope in a lot of ways and yeah then because people spoke about their journeys from the, the good the bad and the ugly is another reason why I've been able to do what I've done it is isn't it it's that side of I think we mentioned might have mentioned it before that kind of accurate and honest um insight into recovery and the fact that sometimes sometimes it goes well like you said with that coming off the first set of antidepressants just it worked well and it was fine and that's great and some people might have that experience but 
there's also that other side of sometimes it doesn't go so well and sometimes it is really difficult and really hard and yeah um you have to to some extent be flexible with what you see as your recovery in, in that it's maybe it's going to take longer maybe there's 100%. going to have to be different ways around it like you said there's potentially that option of swapping to another type of medication um yeah and sometimes people do have have relapses as well and it's trying to not put too much pressure on ourselves and sort of having that destination this is where we're working towards but um kind of not putting too much pressure on yourself to get there and I think that comes across really nicely with um we've kind of had a couple of different experiences in there that that really show that and I think that was the side when we started talking originally of yeah this this is my experience your experience might be different but this is my experience and right now this is what it's like yeah 100% I mean I've always said this I've said this publicly on Twitter I've said it in my blog that if need be if my mental health was to deteriorate the to the point that I needed to go back on medication um, I wouldn't hesitate Mm. I don't see it as a failure I don't see it as anything negative at all I mean, I've done eight weeks without antidepressants. I feel stronger mentally than I have in a long time, despite of some of the like, little blips I've had. Mm. It's because mm. in the past, I would have never been able to overcome the blips. Some of the blips I've had would have set me back for days, maybe even a week. But I've been able to overcome that in a day, in a few hours. So it's just it shows the resilience that I've also gained as well. But if I need to go back on antidepressants for whatever reason, I wouldn't see it as anything negative at all. I would give myself a pat on the back. I'd say, do you want, you done well, you give it a bloody good go. And this isn't a step back, it's a pause. Mm. And you need to do this for you. And when the time's right, you can carry on going again. Yeah, that was quite deep then. <laughs> that was quite deep. That was quite deep. It kind of feels like that should be like a wrap-up moment almost. Um, yeah, I do. <laughs> uh, I guess kind of following on from that, just to add on a little bit before we do wrap up, is um, actually we've heard a little bit about kind of what's gone on since last time. Um, but are there any sort of things that you've kind of got planned or that you'd like to do in the next in the next two years I don't know <laughs> that you've got coming up sort of oh we're at the end of the year as well just in the future I guess I in the not too distant future well these past couple of like this past year and a half or so I've done a lot of work focusing solely on mental health illnesses and well-being I mean I've gone around high schools in Wales teaching teenagers about mental health illnesses and well-being I mean I held a talk in my town and I just invited people from my town to come to this one place one night for a few hours mm. to listen to me talk about being mentally ill, how it's impacted me and how it can impact others around them, just to make them more aware. Mm. And the response that I had from that was amazing. So I'm at the moment, I'm taking a breather, being a little bit selfish, just putting time into myself now, really enjoying some time so not away from the mental health scene because it will always be a big part of me but just focusing on myself for a little bit mm. but in the future I do want to do more work and I think maybe the beginning and middle next year I'll get back into it again mm. but at the moment I just want to work on myself for a little bit now. I think having that that bit of time away as well is a really good practice to have I think I'm always quite conscious of us um, particularly 
when we, when you have lived experience of a mental health illness and you get involved in campaigning and projects and that's great and your experience really adds a lot to that but it's trying to not make it your whole life um, 100% 100% I think it's, it's I don't want I don't know about dangerous but I think it is something to be very cautious of that you no, kind of it, invest it can too be dangerous. much yeah you invest too much in um that particular um part of your life you kind of have that yeah. risk of um spiraling into something as well so I think it is important yeah. to be mindful of I think people just want to stop so many people or pre- prevent so many people going through what they went through mm. that they forget to look after themselves. I mean, I used to give talks in schools and I, sometimes I do it five days a week from three from nine, nine o'clock in the morning till three in the afternoon. Mm. And each talk I gave, it was like a therapy session because I'd have to talk from the beginning, from the symptoms and everything up until where I was at that point. So in essence, it was as if I was having five therapy sessions a day Mm. and then I would get home and I would just be an absolute wreck mentally and physically because I'd just be so exhausted. Mm. And I was doing that for months on end. It's so much. Mm. And I don't, I used to feel bad about thinking about giving myself a break, but I've been through this journey myself. I've lived it and I've tried to help in so many different ways so many different people and I think it's just I just made the healthy decision just to take a little bit of a step back I'm not calling it a day I'm not cutting all of my ties Hmm. I mean I want to do more work in the future but just I mean I wouldn't have been able to come off my antidepressants this year had I still been doing all the campaigning and everything that I was doing within the last year so heavily if that makes sense yeah yeah so I've just taken this time out for me to work on me, build myself up, become even more stronger again, hopefully, and then I'll get back out there when I mm. feel ready. That's really good. And I, I do remember seeing uh, a load of posts around the time that you were holding that community event. Um, yeah. And I just remember, oh, my goodness. I, I, I <laughs> from a distance, <laughs> I was like, this is a little project you've taken on here. <laughs> oh, you um, have no idea. <laughs> but it I looked, mean, it looked not just the event, but kind of the stuff that you were doing around that. I think was a huge inspiration in terms of that kind of community, true community work. Um, oh, thank you so much. And looking not to just have a, uh, I mean, it was a mental health campaign, but it wasn't just that. It really was that face-to-face community work in terms of engaging with people and encouraging conversation and not just saying go out there and have conversations you were actually doing it um so yeah it was a really really cool thing to even just from the distance um to oh see thank happening. you so, so much yeah, it was really good it was really good yeah um, I mean well all over like social media I've always been like you know speak openly there's no shame and then I do not on Facebook but obviously I don't post much about mental health on Facebook but that's where I have the people from my community mm. so I just thought oh like you know what they see me doing because I don't post everything on Facebook like I would on Instagram and Twitter and unfortunately my town like within the past few years we've lost you know a few amazing quite a few like amazing people to suicide mm. and I just thought if I could help it in any way I know I'm good at speaking in public thanks to plenty of practice from campaigning 
and I have the passion to go with it and I thought if I don't give it a go then I don't see anyone else doing it and mm. <laughs> so I just went for it and the response I had was amazing the comments I had was just yeah made it all worth it despite how stressful it was oh, well <laughs> it looked amazing um, I, I am. After we laughed about not making it up until eight o'clock, it is very much almost eight o'clock. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to round us off. I don't know. I mean, you have just said you're kind of having that little bit of a break at the moment, but um, is there anywhere people can go to kind of look at some of the stuff that you've done in the past, whether that's on social media or websites or anything? Yeah, 100%. So my Twitter is just Laura Burton X. That is also my Instagram, and I have links up there to my blog and everything. And I'm sure my pinned tweet on Twitter at the moment is just a thread of random stuff that I've done over the years. So newspaper articles, work I've done with the BBC, blog posts, just loads of different types of stuff. And then, as always, if people feel the need to, after hearing this or whenever... They are more than welcome to put me a message. And I'm not going to lie, I do have notifications muted because I'm trying to spend less time on social media, but I will get back in touch with them as soon as I see the message. <laughs> it's a very sensible way to go, I think. <laughs> thank you. Thank uh, you. Um, thank you so much for coming on and, and for giving us an update and for sharing your experience. And Oh, not... thank you for having me back. <laughs> oh, no, it's been good. Uh for, yeah, for sharing today, but also for, for all of the stuff you've done um, over the last couple of years. And hopefully this is a... Oh, you'll make me emotional. Oh, ah. <laughs> a, nice, a nice period of kind of a bit of rest, um, especially as we go into winter months and things. To, to have a little bit of rest and a bit of time for yourself is, is really good to hear that you're doing that. So um, I look forward to, to whatever comes next and whatever happens next year. Oh, thank you so much. And as always, I'll always be stalking a little podcast well it's not little anymore it's grown mountains which is absolutely amazing so So a huge well done to you too thank you um and we'll have to have you back in less than two years time (laughs) we'll probably forget the way time's flying it'll probably be another 10 but either way i'm up for it awesome well i'll talk to you hopefully very very soon um but otherwise thank you so much for coming on and, and yeah we'll we'll converse soon Brilliant. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye. 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 These are real people. They do have struggles. And it starts to get on my nerves. I just shut down. So many people suffer from mental illness. To get the word out that men have got to start talking. So I told everything and her face dropped. A lot of people don't understand the depth of the situation, so they can't appreciate, yeah. It's difficult dealing with our minds, and the suicidal thoughts were back. People knew that there was something not right, but they just never really said anything or probably felt like it wasn't their place to say anything. You're not depressed, it's, it's all in your head. That's probably the statement I've had people say the most. I mean, this, this, this shit is real, and it's hard, it's exhausting. And I think people realise how helpful that one conversation can be just to figure out why you are feeling the way you are. Not only did this help me to write it, Mm. it potentially might have helped some other people as well. So it sort of started from there. So many people think they're alone. And then you hear other people talk about it and they think, oh, that's, you know, that's so brave or I could relate to that. Um, And then they want to talk about it.